Hello and welcome to this edition of PointCast. Thank you so much for joining us. In studio today, we have Radomir Yodanovich. Hopefully I said your name correctly. Uh, yeah. Okay. You know. Okay. Excellent. <laughs> Close enough. You right. Give me, okay. It's give a, me some grace. No, that's, that was really good. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate you coming to PointCast to share your views as a voter and talk about some of the things that are important to you. But before we get to that, if you don't mind giving us uh, a little backstory, some some backstory about you well uh i immigrated here uh, when i was seven well i used to say seven and a half because i had before that said seven mm-hmm. and then people would ask do you even remember anything but then when i said seven and a half they would ask what all do you remember <laughs> but now that i'm in my 30s when i say seven and a half it has no impact so right. seven's fine seven's fine okay yeah. and where did you immigrate from serbia serbia what was that journey like for you I went on a bus to the airport and then flew by airplane to um, some connecting flight. I think it was in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Then we landed in or near Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then we took a car to where we were going to be living for a while. Mm-hmm. Was this like a planned trip or were you all planning to reside here permanently? Well, my dad was uh, a veterinarian. And uh, he was doing some international work with, like, Romania, Germany, the U.S., Mm -hmm. and uh, he was doing some embryo transfer research, and he was working on a farm in Iowa. Mm -hmm. So we thought it'll be pretty cool to visit him. Mm -hmm. And then we visited him in the early 90s when former Yugoslavia was falling apart. And so we thought, oh, we'll just stay like six more months, you know, while Mm -hmm. the war and such are happening. And we just kept staying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And this became your home. Yeah. In a way. Do you consider it home? I do. I um what were you doing before you were seven years old? Did you establish a home there? Hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, I mean I've I've basically been here all my life. I still speak Serbian. You do. Okay. I text in Serbian with my parents. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I take a phone call from them. <laughs> I also know a few other Serbians here in Indianapolis and, and we speak Serbian because, mm-hmm. you know, it would be weird to speak a f- foreign language with each other it's just but um i think i handled english pretty well and so there is that still that connection to at least your culture through language as much do you feel that you have an opportunity here in indianapolis to express yourself culturally the way you may not remember as much as a seven-year-old but your parents kind of set the tone right yeah well from uh the late late 1300s to the late 1800s the balkans were uh being uh, seized by the Ottoman Turks. Mm-hmm. And then around right before World War One or so, I think the Ottoman Empire kind of fell apart. And finally, uh, the countries kind of coalesced into Yugoslavia. So, um, well, you know. They, so it's a lot of mi- lot going on. Yeah. There, there's a lot of influence from the Ottoman uh, mm-hmm. Turk uh, people. But so the the thing that the stayed Serbian is that they never went inside churches or anything. So um, there's a very strong Eastern Orthodox uh, Christian sort of culture, um, or or not, depending on who's asked. So do you have a connection with your home country now? Have you gone back to visit? Yeah, it's like a few thousand to fly there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went in 2010. Mm-hmm. I took like 4,000 photos. They're all on Facebook if you want to see. <laughs> or I don't know how to... Never mind. You can't see the photos. <laughs> well, how how was that experience for you? It was back? pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember uh, a few things. We went to my uh, 
my grandparents' downtown Belgrade apartment. Belgrade is the capital of Serbia. Mm-hmm. So I was born like just down the street in the hospital there, and that's kind of where I grew up, started going to school. Mm-hmm. Um, my maternal grandmother has or had a, a house up in northern Serbia in the countryside. Mm-hmm. And then my paternal grandparents not only had the uh, Belgrade apartment, but also a, a Montenegro beach house. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that was a really cool visit because I, I went to like downtown Belgrade mm-hmm. and then uh, went to the Serbian countryside up north and then hung out on the beach in Montenegro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you were able to go back and oh. visit and have that opportunity. It's a really cool opportunity. Well, how do you feel about some of the things that people are sharing about immigration these days? Uh, I don't think that um, your experience is one that we think of when we think of someone immigrating to this country. Yeah, I I think that my experience is pretty typical, though, for immigration. Do you? Okay. Yeah. I mean, you can't, it would just be unsustainable to have a country full of people who can't afford anything, but then happen to fall into the U.S. somehow. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what's that country doing then? Mm-hmm. So there mm-hmm. are a lot of people in each country who are providing value and, and being, you know, just members of society. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I like to go to music festivals a lot around here. And mm-hmm. uh, one I visited in Oklahoma a few years ago. So we pulled up in our RV mm-hmm. and uh, we went to a campsite mm-hmm. and there was a tent next to us and people there asked us where we're from mm-hmm. because of course we had driven in, in an RV. Mm-hmm. So we said we're from Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. But then uh, my friend hung out with them and then the next day they approached me and they asked, hey, we hear you're not really from Indianapolis. And I said, right, because when I was seven, I immigrated here from Serbia. And they said, yeah, why didn't you say that? And I said, well, because you asked where the RV's from. Where, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and then they just never talked to me again. Except, no, they, they did ask, you know, everybody asks, mm-hmm. do you like it here? Do you want to destroy this country? Are you a terrorist? Wow. And then, um, you know, because I'm not a terrorist, they're, they're usually okay with it. But these people stopped talking to me. And, well, uh, what was that experience like for you? I mean, how how did you feel in that moment? Well, I had been told that Oklahoma is racist. Mm-hmm. And uh, then I found that there were some Oklahomans who were racist. Mm-hmm. It kind of, you know. It kind of matched what you were told? Yeah. Plus, mm-hmm. um, I, I didn't know that there's a rivalry between Oklahoma and Texas. So I wore a giant uh, button-up shirt that was like the Texas state flag. <laughs> As a joke, because I thought, well, you know, they won't know that I'm not from this area if I wear a Texas shirt. Yeah, but maybe you were trying too too hard to fit in, and you stuck People out. People got kind of angry. <laughs> I mean, that may have helped. Yeah. Have um, helped. But that, actually, in a serious note, you know, being, you know, called out for something outside of your control, you, you came here, you, there was no fuss, you, you live here, you're from here now. So... How does that, when you hear some of the discussion about, well, let, let's let's go back to another question that I have, actually. There's been a new immigration plan, and this one sounds as though um, there's one where um, the president has proposed where people, he really wants to have people come over, much like your father, people that he would consider high contributors. Um, I don't to, think he wants that because we- You don't think so? We came here with chain immigration, as it's being called. You know, where one guy comes for work, then he brings his wife and kids, and then with with some paperwork, people get green cards and stay for a while, then they get their citizenship. So, hey, I'm a U.S. citizen. Mm-hmm, How mm-hmm. exciting. Right, right, right. So you don't think that this would work for you? My be- That's basically my question. The immigration plan that's being proposed, you don't think it would have worked? I you? haven't looked into the details because I don't really know many 
uh, people immigrating currently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, how does it strike you? Because when immigration is brought up, a lot of times it's brought up um, really relating to our southern border. But most of the immigrants I know personally are from everywhere else. Right. So the, the not to say that, you know, I also know folks that have come through the southern border um, but have had no issues, just regular everyday people. Um, do you feel that you have to compete with a stereotype of what an immigrant is? No, not until I say that my name is Radomir. Mm-hmm. And then uh, people ask uh, why my name is Radomir. Mm-hmm. And I say because I'm an immigrant. And by that time, it's it's been long enough that they've been exposed to a human they don't consider a terrorist. But then, you know, a few seconds in, they find out that he, I mean, he is an immigrant. Mm-hmm. And it's its all kind of diluted by that point. So they just don't seem to worry about it. Have you been considered a, a terrorist threat to some people, more than just that one situation in Oklahoma? Well, when I was doing my, my U.S. citizenship test, um, one of the, you know, after that, after you answer the, the questions, there's a there's like a questionnaire. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is all spoken word, except there's like a writing test for you, right? A sentence. Um, the person asked things like, you know, do you want to uh, pick up arms and go fight if if needed? And I was like, yeah, you know, because you, if, you, if you don't, then they'll kick you out. Plus, it sounds badass. You just have like a gun. You get to run around. It's awesome. And I don't have any military training. I won't need any if I'm drafted. Um, and uh, and then also she asked if uh, if I'm a terrorist. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And my answer was. No. Well, and she just froze in fear. And I said, wow. no, of course not. And then she just kind of didn't flinch for a while and finally breathed and asked, are, are you sure? Really? And I was like, yeah, why? How would I be a terrorist? I don't Probably even, not a good time to joke. With <laughs> I didn't know. I thought that, you know, we had a good rapport. <laughs> <laughs> Overextended that a little bit. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of the issues because it's because now you are an American citizen. You do vote. Um, and now that you are part of the American mainstream, so to speak, um, what are some of the issues that are issue that may be important to you as you go to the polls? I like uh, that that everybody's healthy. Mm-hmm. So universal health care seems pretty legit mm-hmm. because this privatized health care doesn't make sense. What is it, why doesn't it make sense to you? So... You have a hierarchy of administration in each insurance company. Mm-hmm. And then you pay insurance and you pay for all of these people just to, to be administrators. Mm-hmm. And then with nationalized healthcare, mm-hmm. there's one administration hierarchy mm-hmm. and you would still pay them, mm-hmm. but it wouldn't be as many of them. Mm-hmm. And then you would have insurance anyway. So you're thinking it would reduce the bureaucracy and cost. Yeah, not only would it reduce the cost, but our current insurance has it that like there is necessarily a high cost to medical care mm-hmm. because it keeps you actually wanting to pay for insurance. Otherwise, if it were like 50 bucks to get a tooth, a, a tooth pulled, then you would, you know, that right. would, you would just do that. Right. Uh, but it's, it's really expensive, so... Um, you get your insurance to cover the thousands of dollars to get a tooth knocked out. Mm-hmm. And what brought you to coming to the idea that universal health care is the way to go? Well, I've seen a lot of people who are not very healthy, mm-hmm. and I felt mm-hmm. bad for them. And then I heard that everybody could have a health insurance, uh, and I thought, oh, that'll be great. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So when you go to the polls, that's is that going to be 
a deal breaker for you, especially for presidency? Well, no, because uh, I'm not a single issue voter. And mm-hmm. because I live in Indiana, mm-hmm. there's no one I could vote for uh, who wants universal health care uh, who would actually, you know, get a vote that counts. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. as I recall, Trump vote, uh, Trump uh, won Indiana by over half a million votes in the 2016 election, as opposed to Clinton. So you just feel hopeless that that's something that you can't affect here as a voter in Indiana? Well, I, I've been kind of going around telling people, you know, the health insurance that you have is fine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you should stop not wanting universal health care because it just keeps poor people from being similarly healthy. Mm-hmm. And um, I But is like it just health insurance that is making because you say unhealthy yeah aren't there other ways to access health care uh not that i've seen i mean they're like really horrible uh places i mean you can like so all right um i sprained my ankle the other day i have no idea how and i called up the doctor and i was like hey i need to come in to you know have a look at this mm-hmm. and they scheduled me like over a week in a, a head where I had to come in like a Wednesday after some time and mm-hmm. and um and that was silly because as I recall we like to complain how Canada has this long waiting list except that because there have been complaints about how long people wait in Canada there was an official investigation and they they actually researched it and found that no there are not actually long waiting lines waiting times in in, in Canada mm-hmm. so I experienced a long wait time for just a sprained ankle Mm-hmm. Okay. But in Canada, I could have just walked in anywhere because, well, had I because if you go to Canada, mm-hmm. and and if you have the the health insurance that you know is to the all national the, health, mm-hmm. yeah, then you can go anywhere. Mm-hmm. But um, I had to go somewhere where my health insurance was accepted, mm-hmm. and then I had to wait. So you felt limited by the fact that your health insurance. Well, isn't accepted everywhere, and based on that, you're forced to you're forced to live with that weight. Correct. Right, and you think that contributes to people being unhealthy? Is waiting for access? Yeah. Plus, it's not like diagnosably unhealthy. I mean, people who have sprained ankles, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like people who uh, can't work for a reason. You know, mm-hmm. they then they're not contributing to society through uh, through working and generating value. Mm-hmm. They're just. I'm not saying they're completely not contributing so I'm just saying with the with the money with the work so when I hear you say that there is a, a move in Indiana and I think it's already taken place where you know you do have to there's the healthy Indiana plan insurance or uh, that's made available for uh, uh, people who can't get insurance on their own and um, with that there's a work requirement and some people are adamantly against it and some people are for it because Uh, The people who are against it, you know, are talking about the people who can't work or are out of work. And the people who are for it it, say that it's, you know, their way of contributing to health care. Where do you stand on that issue? I think it's all silly because the arguments I've heard about it are like, I don't want to pay for some Joe Schmo to get health insurance. Mm -hmm. But people already do because Mm -hmm. as soon as you pay for health insurance, there's already some Joe Schmo also paying into that company, getting health insurance from that company, mm-hmm. wasting that company's money on whatever. Mm-hmm. So Joe Schmoes are already getting, you know, treatment for whatever. So how do you see this? Universal health care is a system we would all be paying into, uh, we would all have access to, 
Um, and what else? What else do you see? How do you picture this working? Um, I, you know, just ask like a billion other countries and see with them. I mean, they they seem all right. You know, mm-hmm. we we spend a lot of money on um, on various other things that we could cut back on, like all the prison and all the. Have you seen the roads out here in Indiana? Yes. I haven't. I have. They're just <laughs> potholes. Yeah. Well, let's go back to something that you brought up about the prisons. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk quickly about criminal justice reform. Is that something that, that is a concern of yours? I, um, I've i been to small claims court once with uh, a landlord, mm-hmm. and uh, nobody went to prison because that's just how that is. Mm-hmm. So no, I don't really know much about it, except I know that um, there's a there's a deal with privatized prisons where they try to make a lot of money off of people. And how do you feel about that? Well, that just seems like a weird time. What's weird about it? I don't like that um, if you can afford health care and you genuinely generally stay out of prison, then then it's okay. But if if you're poor and you're sick and and you get caught up in stuff, then you go to a for-profit prison and you just get even more money taken from you and from your family mm-hmm. and and your health worsens and just things get worse it's like a it's a snowball effect do you think this is a, a, a systemic uh, do you think there's cooperation or you think it's just the way that it happened well i think that with uh we, we've got i think i checked recently it's the 10th freest market on the planet so with such a free market it's really efficient so anything that um, has a lot of money to play with mm-hmm. can uh, start using a lot of poor people to its profit. And uh, so it's not like these things are working together. I don't see any sort of conspiracy in all of it. Mm-hmm. I just see that the market is so free. Mm-hmm. There's no regulation, basically. You could just exploit poor people all day. Mm-hmm. I mean, if I were like really rich, I probably could have accidentally exploited a bunch of poor people, but I don't. I don't think I have it in me. That's Mm -hmm. why I don't have a lot of money. Let's talk about um, some of the things that you feel that are within your reach. I know you talked about health care, being able to affect that through your vote. You don't think you'll be able to do that. Well, no, because, you know, you've tried voting in Indiana, right? So you vote and then you go and see the results of the uh, polls and and it's the other way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So what do you think you can vote on here from Indiana that you could have an effect on? Well, in the 2016 election, I was pretty upset with Clinton getting the nomination. So mm-hmm. um, I did a throwaway vote, mm-hmm. and that was satisfying because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I knew that she wasn't going to win Indiana anyway, so mm-hmm. it wasn't really worth it for me to— So you voted for Trump? No, of course not. I did a throwaway vote um, because I didn't want to vote for Clinton. That also would have been a throwaway oh, okay. vote, and mm-hmm. it would have felt terrible to vote mm-hmm. for her. Mm-hmm. So who were you supporting back in 2016? Uh, well, I I voted in the primaries for Sanders. Sanders won Indiana, but mm-hmm. there were some states where um, the 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 population, if if it like seemed through polling to prefer Sanders, mm-hmm. it had its polls shut down. And then there were things where um, communication had kind of lapsed, mm-hmm. where they, people didn't know that if they wanted to vote for Sanders, they had to register for the Democratic Party for just the primaries. Mm-hmm. And so the laws are different state to state, mm-hmm. and it really affected. You know, he had strong support, but they couldn't vote for him. Plus, the Democrats have this really unfair primary thing where they uh, go to the um, the low information voter states, mm-hmm. and and what that's are the where they low, go what first. are the low information voter states? Um, like Mississippi and such. You know, the 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 southern states first. They just hit them, and then Clinton's first on the list. Mm-hmm. So if you don't really 
I mean, you don't know. So you've never heard of Sanders in, in 2015 or 16. So you just you go for Clinton because you're going to vote straight Democratic mm-hmm. and it's fine. You just vote for the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, Clinton, I think, was either everywhere or in most places the very first name that appeared in the ballot. Mm-hmm. So um, I feel that there were things that were uh, problematic that let Clinton, I, I think, steal the vote from Sanders. Do you think that um, Sanders has a chance this time around you know, with Biden being the favored? No, I don't think that Biden is favored. I think that people say that Biden is favored. Mm-hmm. And it's still uh, early. I mean, this thing can turn all the way upside down. It's really too early to call. Yeah. But do you, based on your feelings and your friends and your friend groups or what have you that may feel the same way that you feel, um, what's your take on Sanders this time around? Well, I used to be very jaded, and I didn't want to do anything with politics. I was very apathetic with anything political. As mm-hmm. soon as somebody brought up politics, mm-hmm. I would always try to spin it into some sort of disinformation. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when Sanders came around, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, this is great. He's going to give universal health care to us, or at least my my thing with him was that he was really good at debating. Like Somebody would ask him a question about his hairstyle, and he would say, this is a ridiculous question, mm-hmm. and he'd move on and talk about actual issues. Mm-hmm. I really like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I uh, was very disappointed when he lost the uh, nomination, and uh, and I, I mean, oh man, I don't like anything that Trump does, but it was so satisfying when Clinton did not win the election. Mm-hmm. Clinton could have lost the election to literally anyone within reason, mm-hmm. but this is out of reason. So, so why is Clinton, um, and, and, and you're not the only one that's, that said this, why do you think Clinton hit such a negative chord with voters? Well, Particularly voters in your age group. Yeah, um, I think that she didn't. So there's this thing where the Republicans took all the bad stuff about Clinton, mm-hmm. completely ignored it, mm-hmm. and made up stuff about Clinton. Mm-hmm. Like, um, you know, where Clinton had the the Benghazi thing, the emails thing, mm-hmm. and they really hit hard on that, but mm-hmm. no amount of investigations could actually like find her guilty of anything. Mm-hmm. Um, but they kept talking about it. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it was a re- really sexist move on their part where they were saying like, well, you know, she messed up Benghazi. Therefore, you should assume because y- you hate women, mm-hmm. women don't uh, do military stuff. Well, she shouldn't be president. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what they were saying, I felt. And now we know they were playing to a base of supporters. Yeah, but the real reason that I don't like Clinton, oh, it's so much. Like she was, uh, she had the super predator thing. Mm-hmm. I I felt that that was very unfair to people. Mm-hmm. Um, she also was vehemently against gay marriage for a while. Mm-hmm. And then she was for gay marriage. And then um, there were interviewers who asked her about this. And she just lied and told them, no, I was I was always for, you know, uh, gay marriage. And right. it just it, instead it was really of just weird. saying that I changed my view or changed my opinion or something. Right. She just keeps lying. And then. You've got recordings where she's angry at the person interviewing her mm-hmm. because the person's brought up, you know, the, mm-hmm. the actual evidence that really exists. Mm-hmm. Um, also, uh, she went to Bosnia, which is a former part of Yugoslavia, and I felt like it was um, it was offensive to me when she said that there were Bosnian snipers shooting at her because that's where it like made me look like I could have shot at a person. Mm-hmm. No good. Mm-hmm. And and she wasn't shot at. She was just walking around in broad daylight, smiling, photographing with people. And like, oh, she forgot. You know those Bosnians. They have snipers everywhere. Mm-hmm. No, mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. So I was very offended. And then, 
you know, it really felt like she stole the election. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not, you know, when Sanders came on, I thought that was just ridiculous because there's no way he was going to win, I felt. But he was talking about some things like not just health care, but with education. I mean, some things that people are now starting to take more seriously with the millennial loan, school loan debt. Yeah, I feel like Sanders is going to go down in history as the most shafted politician in history because, yeah, when he was running for the first time, all his things were, you know, rather interesting. But then four years later, you've got everybody who was completely not for him running on basically his platform. (laughs) And calling it, oh, it's my platform. This is my yeah. idea. Well, there's the argument that he has a great message, but he might not be the best messenger. How do you feel about that? I don't. I don't buy that. I don't mm-hmm. do platitudes or anything like that. As mm-hmm. far as I'm able to control. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I don't worry about things like that. Mm-hmm. Why do you think people even are saying that? I mean, because they're to, being manipulated. To to me, what I think I heard was more ageist, right? Right. This sounds like some of the stuff that I used to say to people to get them off my back. Mm-hmm. You know, like. Um, Oh, I don't remember exactly. I think I think it was uh, th- our only recorded um, anarchy is is when the Spani- Spanish were uh, anarchists, and that worked out for them mm-hmm. until they had so much food that they had to give it away, and then people who were against them, mm-hmm. who had nearly died, got all the supplies back mm-hmm. and actually killed off the anarchists. <laughs> So our only anarchy on record was successful, I used mm-hmm. to tell people. I don't actually um, buy that. I don't want anarchy because then you don't get really fast progress and innovation and whatnot, mm-hmm. which you do by having a free market that oppresses poor people. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's hypocritical. Anyway, um, but that's like the kind of stuff that I used to say to make people kind of back off, like, oh, this guy mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. a strange one. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like uh, saying stuff like, and it's true, Sanders is not actually a socialist, especially with the so education. So, what, what what do you consider him? What do you consider yourself? Um, upset. Upset. Yeah. Upset. I'm with the upset party. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, where Sanders was saying he wants, he doesn't want to give free education. Mm-hmm. He wants free state colleges. Right. So, I mean, that's that's fine. Mm-hmm. You know, he just wants more middle class people to work for a while and then retire. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like we have. A so very you think he's 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 not getting a fair review of what he's proposing? Yeah, people should be upset with him because his policies are not left enough. He's mm-hmm. actually rather conservative, but he's been spun into looking ridiculous. And but he not calls be- himself a progressive. Well, yeah, you can say whatever you want about yourself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's too bad he's not very progressive. Um, <laughs> No, I the the thing is we don't really we have a very saturated mm-hmm. um unskilled uh worker market where you know if if you just need people to to do whatever at minimum wage mm-hmm. you'll have them mm-hmm. but we don't have exactly a saturated market of of uh people who are available to compete for uh higher skilled jobs. Mm-hmm. So So what about the talk about this excellent economy we're having? Yeah, we have a really excellent economy. That's not going to hinge on whether uh, a large amount of people is competing for jobs or not, because we do have people having jobs. But the competition for jobs is what creates, um, you know, more uh, value. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Um, and increased wages in some cases. Yes. Yeah. So mm-hmm. right now we have a perfectly fine market where the rich people have a lot of money and we're innovating and we're growing. It's all fine. I don't mm-hmm. have any problems with the economy. Mm-hmm. I didn't, well, uh, I do have some, but like not 
big ones just mm-hmm. like a couple mm-hmm. and uh and that's it i don't really find that we're gonna have a broken or fixed economy if we do things but it will help common people and the other thing about this is everybody's told that there's somebody else who's causing issues mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so like when there's a particularly pr- poor person having problems and that person's told well there are people even more poor than you are who mm-hmm. are causing all this mm-hmm. and then the people just kind of hang around being angry all the time so mm-hmm. it's not a very helpful thing. so the divisiveness um that we're seeing you think that if bernie were elected that would be that would go away no we'd be so divided so is there a unifier out there that you can see on the landscape? No, but I don't think we need a unifier. What do you think we need? <laughs> I don't know. I'm just some kid in his 30s. But, um, you know, we see that right now we have a divided country and a president with like a, I checked, 42.9% approval rate. Mm-hmm. And it's gone up. Um, so and he might actually get reelected. How do you feel about that? That would suck. I, I hear that... Uh, that South Africa has uh, half our incarceration rate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I could I could do a four year vacation. <laughs> you would be one of those people, the expat for a while. No, not expats to be patriotic. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I really appreciate you coming in and sharing your views. And it's not always easy to share, you know, what we feel because we've been taught not to talk about politics, but we're living in a unique time. And uh, people are being heard less and less. So these talks give people like yourself um, just an opportunity, a window, a voice, so that others, particularly those who are elected, can hear that voice directly and not just have you be a number on a poll sheet. You know, even if you were polled, I don't know if you've ever been polled. But it's, it's great to have you come in and share the things that are important to you. Is there any lasting or parting thought that you have that you want to share? Oh, nothing I've prepared for. Um, visit my YouTube channel. Right. <laughs> Custom made name. <laughs> it's pretty cool. It's got some short films, some music videos. You are I've a made. filmmaker. Yeah. Um, I The way I run my YouTube channel is I get a bunch of friends together and we make like a no budget movie mm-hmm. and then uh, you know, it's not really highly representative of what I can do, mm-hmm. but it's the stuff that I can upload because anything else I make is in film festivals. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, people watch YouTube, I hear. You know, you're living the dream. You're living your best life. And hopefully um, that will include seeing the people you want to see get elected. So <laughs> good <laughs> oh, luck <no>. with that. <laughs> good luck with that. Hopefully you won't have any more protest votes that you'll have to put out there. So. I appreciate you again for coming in, and thank you so much. We'll let that be the last word. And thank you, Gail. We are out.